Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Michael Newton. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Another one of our remotely recorded episodes, the new season of today's Entrepreneur, in case you missed our premiere last week with David from Loop Mission. Uh, Michael Newton, the big boss at FL, is our new co-host, and Josh Miller will be back uh, on occasion as a guest co-host. And um, one major change uh, on the show is I think we're going to take a bit of time to dig deeper into maybe one or two business concepts in the opening segment, Mike, and um, that's mm-hmm. what we'll start today. By the way, on the program today, we're going to talk about uh, tech and about young entrepreneurship and about uh, optimizing uh, one's workplace resources. Our guest is Maxime Gauthier-Bourbonnet uh, with Marinio, and uh, they do workplace uh, scheduling and staffing software. So uh, Maxime is on the way. Very interesting story. Another one out of Centec, that incubator, uh, tech incubator in Montreal. And um, But first, let's dig into to some of the big issues, Mike. And I think one thing that we both were anxious to talk about is workplace resilience. And there was a couple of interesting um, pieces out of Harvard, uh, the Harvard Business Review, uh, about how to constantly adapt when things are uncertain. And the headline, which caught both of our eyes actually, was innovate with urgency, even when there's no crisis. So let's start there. And how, um, what advice you could give to us entrepreneurs to develop a mindset that is continually uh, innovating and just ready for anything? Well, I think, you know, depending on the industry you're in, you're going to get a very different uh, concept of what innovation is. You know, traditionally, the uh, professionals, uh, environment lawyers, doctors, accountants, uh, you know, are not known necessarily for, for innovation. Whereas when you're dealing in the manufacturing sector, uh, necessity has become, uh, innovation has become a necessity. So I think you have to look at what, what industry you're in. But I think the whole concept of innovation is, is something that, you know, if you're not moving forward, uh, status quo was actually moving back in the world that we're living in today. So the reality of, of requiring constant innovation, whether that's as simple as, you know, some basic uh, uh, in-house staffing issues as it is to, uh, you know, major product redevelopment or development, uh, I think the concept of, of, of always being on for innovation is, is, is very important. And, you know, it's interesting because many people innovate in very, very, very many different ways. And I think you need to find what works for you. For some people, uh, innovation comes well while they're on vacation, where they don't have to worry about the office. For others, it's sitting at their desk at 6 a.m. with nobody else in the office. I think you need to find those environments, and I think you need to be able to exploit those uh, and decide what, uh, what works for you. When it comes to the crisis especially, you know, how, how do we even plan? You know, is, there, is there a structure in place uh, where we can plan? They talk about VUCA. Can you, can you tell us about VUCA? Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, going back probably about uh, three or four months ago, uh, I was doing a series of uh, of writings for internally and for, and for uh, our clients, and VUCA was one of the topics that I'd actually brought up because it catches my attention in in a number of uh, number of areas, and and really the the concept was developed by a couple of uh, professors out of the U.S. And VUCA V U C A actually stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. 
And, you know, it, it, the world we're living in today, uh, and certainly from the start of all of this back in March, had, there's no roadmap. I mean, you know, most of the time we hit a crisis, and whether that's a recession or whether that is, you know, unfortunately a natural disaster, we've had them before, uh, and, and we learn from experience. Uh, nobody's really lived through what we're living through right now. I mean, uh, I don't think there's anybody, in a, certainly in a position of power, <laughs> that has survived the Spanish flu back in 1918. So, you know, this is all really a... Uh, we're we're in you know in virgin territory and um, a lot of people have had to be very creative in order to come up with uh, with ideas to try and solve problems in an environment where we just don't have a, a, a VCR manual. My interpretation from the concept is to is for managers and entrepreneurs to just sort of resign themselves to the fact that they can't control everything, that things will go wrong, and it's a matter of sort of categorizing the types of things that go wrong and preparing uh, to mitigate the damage as best you can. Am I, am I recapping that properly? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they, they basically categorize the whole concept that, you know, volatility should be met with agility. I mean, I, you know, I think and if, you, if you look at a lot of people, uh, the ability to be agile is, is not something a lot of people do well. Um, you know, we learn to live in what's been successful and where to go. When you're dealing in a period of volatility, there is no known quantity for tomorrow. So you have to be prepared to go left or right. You know, when this whole pandemic started, I can remember we were trying to write protocol for the office and basically every day something new came out and we would adopt and change what we were looking at and how we were going to proceed going forward without being being agile you just don't know where that's going to lead um you know the part of uncertainty is is information i mean there's been no shortage of uh, of information in the world we live in now coming at us from I don't know how many sides. Uh, the reality is, how do you take that information, process it, and use it to try and minimize and mitigate some of the uncertainty around us? Um, you know, complexity, uh, which is you know the the, the C in VUCA, is really about trying to to find um, dealing with restructuring, uh, operations, reconfiguration, uh, trying to find a way to put some sanity and some sense. Uh, into things that may be extremely complex. And, you know, ambiguity, ambiguity gives us an opportunity for experimentation. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't like to be wrong. Well, you know what, when there is no right or wrong, it gives you an opportunity to, to make that make those mistakes without looking like you're, uh, you're actually making a mistake. So there's actually something positive in ambiguity. So how to innovate with urgency, they offer three ways forward that I want to break down here. Um, one, which I love, especially because, you know, we're in a creative business and we're, we're doing content and uh, engaging in small experiments is something that we have to do to stay relevant. But it's something yeah. that all entrepreneurs should do. Definitely. I mean, we should, like, you know, as we started this whole topic with it, we should be constantly innovating. We should be constantly experimenting. Uh, you know, comfort uh, and complacency are, go hand in hand at the end of the day. So, you know, we do need to constantly look at how to redefine. You know, I'm not saying reinvent the wheel, but especially with small experiments, it's tweaking, it's modifying, it, it's being open to change and trying to drive uh, a an environment and a culture that that change is acceptable and it's not a bad thing. The other one uh, which caught my attention was uh, set zesty goals. Um, mm -hmm. Zesty meaning, um, I suppose, uh, ambitious. Yeah, it's ambitious. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, working at it from uh, from a more uh, urgent state of trying to do things quickly. I mean, a lot of times we set goals, uh, we set six-month goals, we set short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. When you're dealing in, a, in, in an environment of crisis, uh, you know, your goals might be next Monday. And, you know, that it sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but it's really what it is. And, and the, 
I, if you're going to find a silver lining in a, in, in a crisis, it is we've been forced to look at things differently. So if we've learned to now look at a goal a week out or two weeks out, why can't we perpetuate that going forward? They also mean um, exciting, excite your team members about your zesty goals and, uh, and, and get them excited even in a crisis. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. It definitely, it's it's you know the you need buy-in from people, and 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 if you don't have something that the that you know lights everybody's light at the end of the day, uh, it's very difficult to get anywhere with an experiment. Yeah, use adrenaline to your advantage, and 100%. lastly, um, get personally involved. Oh yeah, this one I could go on for days. Uh, you know, we live in a world of uh, many cases of managers with hand off, hands off approaches, uh, complete delegation. Uh, I've always been a real big believer, and uh, you know, whether whether I'm leading or whether I'm part of the team, that you know, you really need to be front and center with everybody. You know, that for example, I mean, I'm in here every day. Do I really want to be in here every day? I guess that depends on what mood I wake up in. But the reality is, is how do you ask people to come to the office in a difficult time unless you're going to be present as well? You know, roll up your sleeves with your team. Lead by example. I mean, we've we've all grown up with with these monikers and these these expressions. And I think this right now, when a pandemic is is out and when there's fear out there, leading and being with the team is uh, goes a long way in building credibility, trust, and 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 comfort. It's time to welcome in our guest, Maxime Gautier Bourbonnet from Mourinho. Uh, Maxime, welcome to CJD. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be a part of the show. So the, we're going to talk a bit of tech and about people solutions and about uh, resiliency in times of crisis tonight. Uh, but first, Maxim, uh, tell us about your company. Yeah, so Mourinho, we're offering a software that allows uh, scheduling and staffing automation. Um, so we saw that there was too many managers, um, some highly ed- educated ones, spending 50 to 70% of their time uh, performing um, admin tasks on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's what we're offering, automating these tasks. Looking at uh, looking at the type of software, I mean, you you made it sound really basic and really simple, and uh, you know everybody's going to pick it up and run there. But I know you have different types of uh, software, uh, different purposes. There's the enhanced scheduling side. Uh, it comes with many tools, whether report generating, uh, as well as you know organizational structures. I mean, this is not necessarily just you know to decide who sits at what desk for tomorrow morning. You're you're really getting into uh, a high level of uh, of coordination. Yes, exactly. You're right. We have a, a whole toolbox uh, basically designed for uh, workforce management tasks. So it could be, you know, to send uh, specific teams for uh, specific contracts on different sites, uh, making sure that uh, you're dealing with the employee availabilities, uh, absences that are fluctuating a lot, especially nowadays with, you know, all the schools that are closing or, or uh, you know, kids that are need to stay at home when they're sick. Um, um, so the three main things that we're offering to our customers is in- increasing their profits for quality of service by making sure they do have the staff on site. We reduce by 75% their admin time for scheduling and employee management. Uh, and we empower basically the employees, uh, which decreases the turnover. Basically, they're more happy by uh, being involved in the scheduling process. So if you look at this and you, you know, you, this is, this goes beyond, I would assume, uh, a professional firm. So a law firm or an accounting firm and a manufacturing environment, does this get into scheduling, uh, you know, drivers for a logistics company? Is is this touch across the board? Could be drivers. Um, well, our, our solution is designed for hourly based employees. So full-time, part-time on-call employees. 
Um, we work with, uh, you know, companies that are from 30 employees to a couple thousand employees in multiple sites. And mainly our strength is when uh, there's a, a certain fluctuation in the employee day-to-day -day needs, uh, as well as uh, some complexity. So either unionize uh, companies or uh, uh, companies spread, spread out in multi-sites uh, with multiple departments and, and a, complex, a complex skill set to manage as well. As with most innovations, I mean, they come from some initial idea of practicality and, and you know, market transformation. So, you know, you obviously saw a weakness somewhere in the market. How did you get this started? What, you know, what, what put the light on for you to turn around and say, hey, let's try and build something along the lines with AI that's going to go into scheduling? It's a funny story. I, I was uh, studying my, in my master's degree um, in surgical innovation. So it wasn't re related at all to scheduling, obviously. And um, so I got into Santec, which is the business incubator of ETS, an engineering university in Montreal. Pivoted twice with two, two different teams. And I heard about uh, one of my friends. He was working in a large brewery. Um, and, uh, you know, they were experiencing a lot of manual tasks over there, uh, highly unionized. 50% uh, of his time, uh, he was actually calling employees uh, to uh, fulfill empty shifts. Um, so that, that's when we did a, a, a market analysis, talked to many companies, and we saw that there was a gap uh, when uh, either there was a union uh, in place or a uh, uh, larger complexity uh, within the workplace. So you basically solved the problem for a friend. Did you have to cut him in at the end of the day since he was the model? <laughs> yeah, uh, he was actually yeah, he's involved in the, in the business since then. Um, yeah. Excellent. Um, looking at, uh, if I go to your website, I mean, you know, some of the things you're talking about, uh, you know, on-demand scheduling validation. I mean, there's, there's some terms in there that are probably a little foreign to some people. Uh, compliance engine, uh, template assistant, maybe just, you know, quickly run through some of those. I guess that basically describes uh, the availabilities and the platform. Sure. So we offer an end-to-end -end solution. Uh, we start from the customer needs. So it's not necessarily just the customers of, the, of our own customers, um, but also um, customers we, uh, where we intend, uh, we're talking about employees, managers, um, you know, ev so for example, employees will um, give them a platform where they can um, input their availability, their preferences, where they want to work, things like that. And then all the inputs from all the needs and requirements from the customers uh, will be um, uh, will be taken into consideration to automatically um, fulfill empty shifts, build schedules, and basically help businesses to offer their their services. So I'm an employee. I'm an employee. I've got availabilities. I'm going to turn. I mean, does this run on an app on somebody's iPhone, for example? Is this the type of thing where I'm going to tell you I'm available Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week? Uh, what do you got for me? Good question. Um, we actually offer the service in many ways, especially um, for communication purposes. Uh, we can communicate the important information um, on a mobile app, also uh, on a web app. Uh, so everything is web-based. Um, it's a web tool, but um, we also want to make sure that the important information is, is available for all the employees. So we can actually call the employees. A uh, good example is a unionized companies might need to call uh, the employees at home to offer them uh, available shifts. Uh, we can text them. Um, so communication is one of the m most important thing at Marita to make sure that we 
send the right information to the right employees. The predictive nature of your software, I think, is is pretty interesting to me. Um, what exactly does your software predict, and and how could it help you manage workforces better? Yeah, so uh, we've been collecting a lot of data. Obviously, uh, multiple uh, organizations that are using the platform on a daily basis, and we can, you know, with um, uh, models predict absenteeism rates, for example, or the uh, help managers to build schedules uh, for for which they'll be. Uh, um, they'll uh, have a higher probability of fulfilling empty shifts. Uh, these are two um, examples to optimize um, the, the, the management um, of some businesses, but I'll give you a concrete example. Um, we've seen, that, seen them a lot. Uh, the demand has increased uh, for security guards uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, as well as uh, janitorial services. Um, while they're spread out everywhere uh, for in multiple business locations for multiple cu- uh, cus- cu- uh, customers, and they need to make sure um, that they have the right level uh, of staff on site. So that level of predictability is really important uh, for these businesses. So you got started. Uh, you've run through. Uh, I, we kind of we kind of chuckled at the beginning that you know most people that I know that have gone through the incubator process have gone through one or two. You guys have been through five incubators, uh, and I think it's very interesting. Maybe kind of give us a little bit of an insight first of all the whole concept of the incubator and how that uh, how what brought you to the incubator and then why five and what was your goal and your objectives. Uh, so yeah, we've been to, through five different incubators uh, and we've gathered as much value and. Uh, insights as possible from every one of them. Um, so an incubator uh, is basically there to help entrepreneurs uh, to build their network, to build the foundations of the company, and basically to, to um, help them not make the same mistakes as other entrepreneurs did. Uh, if I can simplify that, uh, that's really the most important thing. So after um, five incubators, you'll, not, you'll never make a mistake. Is that what you're saying? No, no, <laughs> we do some mistakes. If, if we're not making mistakes, that means that we're not trying enough. Hard enough, um, but um, uh, yeah, we've heard, learned a lot from definitely uh, from the entrepreneurs and mistakes that we will uh, we'll avoid for sure. Uh, so we've been through Santec, um, w- w- which was the first incubator we've been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of ETS. Uh, some entrepreneurs discussed about uh, that in the show um, in previous uh, in previous series. Uh, but we've also been into um, in, uh, industry specific incubators to build our network. Uh, for example, NT Lab, which is an incubator in Montreal. Um, and there's also different concepts, um, especially if a company wants to spread out uh, their network and start commercializing uh, outside of Montreal, for example, where we stand. Um, uh, an incubator is definitely a good place to go. Uh, we've done one in Toronto, uh, DMZ, and that was part of the uh, reason why we, we went there. What are some of the things you're picking up while you're at the incubator? What's, what's the purpose? I mean, other than obviously the name incubate and, and foster, what are some of the exercises that you go through? Uh, we get challenged a lot about a uh, business model, the way how the business is unique, um, you know, uh, the commercial efforts that we're, uh, we're using. Um, we get also a lot of introductions, uh, especially in later stage of the company. Um, there's one we did, which was Creative Destruction Lab, and we were able to have um, – highly uh, successful uh, entrepreneurs uh, that, that we're coaching our, uh, our business. Uh, we get legal advices on how to build, uh, you know, contracts between, um, between shareholders, uh, things like that, just to have a solid foundation for the business. Basically. 
So basically just an elongated Dragon's Den or Shark Tank episode uh, where you're learning and, and trying to pitch and make sure that uh, people are poking holes in the exercise. Yeah, fast, fascinating approach. Yeah. I mean, uh, Montreal is, is, is known for its uh, tech uh, development and certainly known for its tech uh, uh, incubator. So uh, it's one of the great things about living in, the, uh, living in this province. What's your plan? What's next? Where do you go from here? Um, so we're expanding, uh, you know, all over Canada as well as in the U.S. And uh, we're launching some projects in Europe and Asia. Um, our, our plan is really to help um, as much as possible the organizations. And we use something a lot. Uh, so auto- we, we automate uh, manual tasks that are not bringing any value to the company uh, to make the scheduling process and human management uh, more human, basically. Um, so, so that's really our goal. Uh, with the business. Yeah, so it's just, a, it's just off the top of your head, you're going to expand around the world and you're going to come up with a few solutions like it's nothing. I mean, obviously you had to put together some concepts, you had to put together some ideas, you had to put together a plan. You know, what is, what is driving you? What are you seeing in the marketplaces and say, is there a difference in Europe? Is there, is there is in North America versus say, you know, any other market you've looked at? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and that brings me to another uh, idea I had in mind to share with um, you know everybody that, that's listening today. So we don't see um, uh, many differences between um, uh, between uh, countries. What we see uh, what we see is um, uh, many differences between industries, for example, or the business size. So that's really important to be laser focused when you start a, especially in tech, um, be laser focused on the. Uh, industries or the, the segments that you're going to be focusing on. And that, that's what we're doing today. Um, so even if the company is based in the US and Canada and Europe, uh, we're providing the same service with the same functionalities. Uh, Maxim, how is COVID going to change your business in the coming months? What is your new normal going to be like? Uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. We've been remote since uh, March 13. I was actually in Toronto um, uh, on March 13, and it was pretty pretty scary to jump in the plane. Um, um, but uh, so we're we're almost completely remote. Um, what we've done is uh, we have the opportunity. We're fortunate enough to be able to help uh, companies that are that need help uh, in COVID. Um, so we've launched a free version of a platform. Um, it was supposed to be only for COVID, but now uh, it's free. Uh, it's, it's a freemium, so a free version of our platform that we'll keep. And that allows companies to uh, automate communications uh, towards the employees. So if there's new procedures, if there's an emergency, they can communicate that in seconds to their employees. And they can also input uh, customer, uh, well, employee requests automatically. So I gave the example uh, earlier, but, you know, kids are getting sick. We don't know if it's COVID. They need to stay home. So employee requires more flexibility and that's basically our mission to offer the that kind of tool to uh, for free uh, to local companies. Maxime Gauthier-Bolbanet from Renio will have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Uh, but first, some tax chat now with Peter Joseph Moretis, tax consultant at FL Montreal. And uh, Peter, welcome back to CJD. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Dan. Thank- it's nice to be back. So I guess, Mike, the, the big highlight, I think, for the months to come as we await the throne speech uh, coming up in a few days is expect some change, uh, certainly, and uh, and expect some uh, some burden 
at uh, at the uh, at the company level. Yeah, I think we're going to continue. Uh, actually, I think it's just going to be the beginning. I think this is going to continue for uh, at least 24 months in terms of what's going to come out. I mean, the government has to play a very, very delicate line between uh, trying to recoup some of the money they've put out vis-a-vis uh, make, making sure that they maintain the economy. Uh, it's amazing to see online what kind of conspiracy theories are being thrown around from uh, the government and uh, you know what that's going to look like in terms of uh, in terms of taxes so i think really one of the this is kind of a continuation last week when we had nick on is you know what are the effects of uh, of some of these programs and what is that going to look like to uh, to employers yeah so so mike one of the um, just as uh, accountants are kind of looking for a bit of a breather from a extended uh, tax season that's ending in a couple of weeks cra is actually now coming back to work as offices have opened and and uh, one of the things is a lot of these subsidies that came out uh, were actually distributed relative, like very quickly. It was actually something that um, was very well viewed in the government where people got their funds right away to kind of stabilize a bit of the fear. Um, but what, what happens then is that there's probably some money that got dispersed that shouldn't have. There's going to be a lot of checks and balances being required. And they're coming out with some of the requirements now and uh, there's two of them that i wanted to point out for a lot of our listeners that kind of impact um, the entrepreneurs Um, and um, the first one is for any kind of companies that benefited from the temporary wage subsidy this was not the the very large 75 percent subsidy it it was uh, for small and medium-sized businesses um, regardless of whether or not they actually had a a wage uh, sorry a revenue decline uh, they were eligible for a 10% subsidy up to $25,000. That's the one, Pete, where they were taking it off their remittances, correct? Exactly. The so that one was not one where you had to apply for it. You just paid the government less. And and because of the fact that there was no application made, the government doesn't even know what what that subsidy is. And so now they've created this form. And I know you love the forms, Mike. This one's PD27. Oh, stop. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no actual... Uh, deadline yet, but we're really encouraging everybody who has claimed that to file that form, have it processed. So when it comes to T4 season, you don't have to sit there and try to validate with your with the government um, what subsidy uh, you made. So it'll get registered in the system. My my feeling is we are going to as as fluid and as effective as the remittances and the payments and the subsidies were. We are now going to get bombarded with paperwork. And and this is where the this is where the second uh, point is. As much as programmers working for Mourinho can probably figure this out in five seconds, <laughs> for a lot of uh, small small enterprises, the T four reporting season is going to be a lot more complicated. Essentially, not only are you going to have to report how much um, the employees made, but you're going to have to break down in what periods they earned them through the year. So from March 15th to May 9th, that'll be one special box on the form, and there's another one for for the next. Uh, Two months, all the way till the end of September. Do we know yet, Pete, if the uh, the payroll companies like Ceridian and ADP are going to be able to do that for their co- their clients, or is this going to be something that's going to be uh, weighed down upon the uh, the actual uh, company itself? I imagine I imagine that anybody who's using a payroll service company, it will be part of it. They have the data. Um, whether or not they'll charge an additional amount because of this, that's something uh, that, that we'll have to wait. But I mean, anybody who's doing it themselves or provides the information to their accountant to prepare, it might be something that they want to consider uh, tallying up now. 
Um, and of course, this is all going to be lead. Is this going to be used to be able to verify people who were claiming Serb? So maybe they should have announced that at the beginning. It might have reduced people claiming Serb when they were still working. Uh, then the same with the subsidy claims for for em employers that um, it'll be able to match with what they've claimed for the for the subsidies. One thing you did mention to me earlier is is really this whole discussion of potential implications of capital gains to entrepreneurs. And you know, the the uh, Trudeau government has uh, gone forward in the past, taken a step back on family transition a few years ago, but. Uh, I think we're going to see more of this coming, are we not? Well, we were talking a lot about innovation before, and with, when it comes to the government, really there's only one thing to do if the expenses go up and it's we find a way to increase tax rates. Uh, politically, there's not really much that I think can be done for regular tax rates or, um, or even on, on the sales taxes. So one of the easy kind of low-hanging fruit is increasing capital gains, um, which impact really the, the 1% or the more wealthy people, and they're able to do it in a way maybe that only impacts uh, certain people, but for entrepreneurs, it becomes uh, something that's really something that they have to consider because the their own private companies really are subject to capital gains and when they pass away or when they sell their business. Is, is this is this looking like we're going to lose the exemption, or is this just going to be a higher inclusion rate? Well, the exemption is already capped at amount that although. Um, it's at a million dollars right now. So that's something that everybody gets. It's kind of like across the board. So even if you have way more than a million dollars, you're not eligible for it. So it's something that's already kind of been limited. So I think, it, I think there's less of a risk of that, but, but you're right. That's something that um, uh, could be reviewed as well. I won't say it too loud. Peter Moretas, tax partner at FL. Thanks very much for your tips. And uh, we'll be speaking again. I'm sure it'll be a very lively year ahead. Yes, definitely. And lastly, uh, we turn to our guests from Mourinho, Maxime Gauthier-Bourbonnet. And Maxime, please, your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. Make sure you, you uh, get the resources that are available out there. Um, you know, we've done many, many incubators, but there's so many people that are willing to help young entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, uh, present them to their own network, help them not to make the same mistakes they've done. Um, so, so get the phone and, and call them or, or just write them a, a short email or a short message on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to find someone that will help you uh, as a coach or as a personal mentor. Mentorship. Great advice, Maxime. Thanks so much. And uh, another example, Mike, of uh, another young Montreal tech company that's on the rise. So many of them here in town. It's really encouraging to see. It really is. And, you know, like I said we, before, we, we are definitely a hotbed of, of tech, but it's it's nice to see a, philo a philosophical approach where making a mistake is not a bad thing and we're going to learn from them. And, and I think part of that incubation process provides that. Uh, too many people live in a perfect world. And let's face it, if you're going to, if you're going to succeed, you're going to have to make mistakes somewhere along the way. Okay, we are back in uh, two weeks' time. We'll be talking with Rubino Shoes and the folks there at Rubino, a well-known Montreal uh, shoe outlet. And uh, thanks very much again to Maxim for his time today from Mourinho, as well as tax partner Peter Joseph Moretis. Uh, don't forget flmontreal.com if you want to uh, find all the latest blogs to deal with this COVID period and at tax time, uh, as well as uh, don't forget todaysentrepreneur.org with over uh, 11 years of inspiring entrepreneur profiles. Mike, thanks so much, and we'll catch you here in two weeks. Dan, always a pleasure. Stay safe.
Talk.